Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this weekend feature two widows. Widows were, in biblical times, especially vulnerable figures. This is because... There was no social service network. There was no welfare system to care for those who had lost their means of economic support. So in a society where women were not breadwinners in our sense, widows, unless they had support from a wider family network, were extremely vulnerable. That's why, by the way, the prophets talk so much about widows and orphans. You know, God's great love for the widows and orphans, our need to care for them. It's just their way of saying the least and the most threatened, the most vulnerable. Well, in the first reading, we hear of the widow of Zarephath and her confrontation with the prophet Elijah. It's a great story, by the way. You find it in the first book of Kings. We're talking about the 9th century B.C., a time when The wicked Ahab was the king of Israel, and his idolatrous wife Jezebel was the queen. During this period, a severe famine broke out. The result, Elijah claimed, was the king's apostasy, that God was punishing Israel for the idolatry of the king. Well, as a consequence of the drought, this poor widow of Zarephath and her son are reduced to a desperate penury. They are quite literally down to their last meal. Now, what we're meant to think about here is someone who is about as low as you can go. A widow living amidst a drought and down to her last meal. This is somebody who has no visible means of support, no one, someone who has no future, no hope. This is when Elijah comes to her. There's, I think, first of all, a very important biblical principle on display here, namely that the divine comes into our lives often precisely at this moment of our greatest vulnerability and need. When the ego is riding high, confident in its own power and resources, it rarely reaches out to God. You know, when everything's going well, you have plenty of of comfort and money and satisfaction. But, but, when the ego is knocked around, wounded, powerless, that is when God often rides in. Doesn't uh, Paul, for example, affirm this when he says, I willingly boast of my weakness. Why? That the power of Christ might dwell in me. Often when we feel powerful, We keep God at bay. We are indifferent to God. But precisely those moments in life when we hit bottom, that's where the widow of Zarephath is. She's hit bottom. That's when she's 
ready to receive a divine grace. Well, what does the prophet say to her? Please bring me a small cupful of water to drink. Hmm. Does that line remind you of a scene from the New Testament? Jesus speaks to the woman at the well, and he says almost the exact same thing. Remember, he sits down with the woman, and he says, Give me to drink. We're up here against a high paradox, but one of the most fundamental truths in the spiritual life. Abundance comes from the willing gift. Let me say that again. Abundance comes from the willing gift. Both Elijah and Jesus address women in rather desperate situations. So we know about the widow of Zarephath's problem. The woman at the well, the triple outsider, she's a woman, which made her very much of a second-rate citizen in that time. Also a Samaritan. She was a kind of untouchable for the Jews. Thirdly, she's been married so many times, she's probably seen as an adulteress. That's why she's there alone at noon, which is the worst time of the day to go fetching water. Both Elijah and Jesus here address women in very desperate situations. And what do they say? They ask them to give. To give? No, these women need something, don't they? They need to receive something. Ah, there's the paradox. Precisely then, that's when you're asked to give. And then, just in case we miss things, Elijah intensifies matters. When the widow protests that she has precisely enough for one more meal for herself and her son before they die, he asks her to make him a cake. I think I've told you before, this scene always strikes me as kind of typically Jewish in its comedy, something almost out of Woody Allen or Mel Brooks. It would be funny if it weren't so tragic. At the very bottom of her life, when she has nothing, she's invited now to give and give and give. Give me to drink and now make me a cake. Here's the great spiritual truth. When you are linked to the God who is nothing but giving, then you can give and give and never run out. That's it. That's the hinge. When you are linked to God who is nothing but gift, then you can give and give out of that deep space and it will never run out. In fact, to use Jesus' language with the woman at the well, it will become water bubbling up in you to eternal life. Now, the flip side of this truth, when we cling to pathetic substitutes for God, money and sex and pleasure and power and honor, then, listen, we can hoard and hoard and hoard all we want, but we'll never have enough. See, friends, to get this is to get the Bible, is to get what they're talking about over and over again. I know it's a paradox. I know it's counterintuitive. But you turn something that's not God into God, you can hoard it and you can store it up all you want. It will never be enough. But when you are hooked onto the true God, 
You can give and give and give, and it'll never run out. In the beautiful language of this story, quote, The jar of flour shall not go empty, nor the jug of oil run dry. The widow and her son are able to eat for a year, even after they've given everything away. I would say, because they've given everything away. God is love, which means being filled with God is being filled with love. Therefore, we have God by giving God away. That's it. <laughs> that, in some ways, I can stop talking. If you get that principle, you've gotten the Bible. Again, it's so basic, the Bible repeats it endlessly. Story after story. Teaching after teaching. If you want your life to increase, give it away. If you want your faith to increase, share it. That's a basic principle of evangelization, isn't it? People say, I don't know, I, I, my faith isn't strong enough. Who am I to be telling people about Christ that my own faith is weak? You want to strengthen it? Give it away. Trust me on that. You want your faith to be stronger? Share it with somebody. Do you want more joy in your life? Who doesn't? Then become a bearer of joy. I, I, it's so hard when we're caught in our self-involvement, our depression. It's so hard to get this principle. But if you want more joy in your life, and there's not one person listening to me now who doesn't, become a bearer of joy. Make other people joyful. See, most of us, though, we get caught at this point, don't we? Panicking because we're running out and clinging to the little that we have. We wonder now, how can we acquire more joy? How can we acquire more faith? How can we acquire more life? Well, see, it's never a question of clinging and hoarding. It's always a question of giving away. You want more life? Become a bearer of life to others. You want more joy? Be a conduit of joy. That's why that prayer of St. Francis, all the saints get this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. See, that's how I will become myself peaceful when I spread peace around. Okay. Now, the gospel today, here's our second widow, gives us one more take on this idea. First, Jesus notices the scribes and Pharisees milling around outside the temple. So he's come now with his disciples toward the end of his life. He's, he's in the temple precincts in Jerusalem. He notices the Pharisees and scribes wearing their distinctive robes, accepting greetings according to their proper titles, taking seats of honor at synagogues. In other words, they're in a classic hoarding mode. They're not hoarding money here so much, but they're taking in as much honor and privilege and attention as possible. That's an old trick, isn't it? Now, see, I need to make myself happier, so I just I need more honor from people. So I'll grasp at titles and special dress and public prerogatives. But anyone who's ever played this game, and we all have to some degree, but anyone who's ever played this game realizes how finally hopeless it is because the buzz that one gets from such attention wears off very quickly, and one needs more of it and more of it and more of it, and you'll just never get what you want. 
We're meant to see now the great contrast with the widow. We're meant to have all the requisite overtones in mind here. Like the widow of Zarephath, this poor lady coming to the temple treasury gives the last thing that she has for the glory of God. As Jesus puts it, she contributed from her poverty, not from her surplus. A widow with no welfare system behind her, a widow with no visible means of support, a widow with with no other hope. And she takes the little tiny bit she has and she makes of it a gift to God. Think about this story that's interesting is we don't know what happened to this widow. We don't know whether she was recompensed in the way the widow of Zarephath was. But finally, no matter. The spiritual principle still holds. Your being increases in the measure that you give it away. So I want people now, especially listening to me today, who feel like you've hit bottom. You're like the widow of Zarephath. You're like this uh, widow in the gospel. Maybe you're down to your last meal. You're down to your last bit of money. Especially now, look for Elijah. Especially now, look for the presence of the Lord. And he'll always invite you to do one thing, to give. Again, it takes many forms. It might mean giving of your wealth, but it might mean giving joy, giving life, giving peace, becoming an instrument of God's purposes. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that will be the path to fullness of life, and that will be the path to joy. Keep these two widows in mind this week and do what they did. Give out of your poverty. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.